Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Instant Reaction Podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs here with you on a Saturday evening where, dare I say, that was fun. Was that fun? That second half was was kind of fun. Certainly that fourth quarter. Uh, Iowa with a 22 to nothing shutout win over the Rutgers Scarlet Knights in Kinnick Stadium. Uh, Iowa moves to 8-2 and two on the season, 5-2 and two in conference. And uh, with the results elsewhere in the Big Ten West today, uh, which have not been good for Minnesota and Nebraska and Wisconsin, much like a week ago. Uh, Iowa has clinched a share of the Big Ten West championship and uh, is a win away from securing its place in Indianapolis and the Big Ten championship game against either Michigan or Ohio State, whoever wins that matchup in a couple of weeks with Michigan's win over Penn State today. We'll get to all that another time. Right now, let's talk about this game. Uh, you know, a tough first half from the offense. It really felt like it was just going to be another one of those days. I uh, tweeted or posted on X at some point. It doesn't feel like the offense has clicked, you know, in, in air quotes uh, this week because that that's kind of been the talking point each and every midweek uh, press session is, you know, we feel like we're clicking. We're growing. We're improving. It feels like it's going to click one of these days. Uh, it clicked in the second half, at least to some extent. I mean, you know, we're not going to get ahead of ourselves and and talk about this as some sort of uh, uh, incredible offense or high-powered team. And who knows if this is the kind of uh, half they needed and and momentum they need to carry into a game next week to to kind of keep this going. Did they really turn a corner? We will find out next week. Uh, but at the very least, we can celebrate uh, what looked like a of competent dare I say at times potent offense, uh, that's probably too far. Uh, but again, a, a really nice day, but a, a tough start from Deacon Hill and the, really the entire offense, you know, the running game was okay in the first half, but, uh, after a, a missed field goal from Drew Stevens on the first drive, a, an interception from Deacon Hill, that was just, uh, head scratching, um, not, not necessarily that he threw the interception, but the play call from Brian Ferentz, it was, I saw a few people tweet things like this, you know, that's why Brian Ferentz is out of job, out of a job at this year. Um, it's, it's play calls like that where you're, you know, throwing 25 yards to the, to the sideline, uh, not making the defense think at all after getting the ball down to, what was it? The 10 yard line or something like that close to it. Uh, late in the first half. And so uh, that was disappointing to see. And it really felt like, man, why are we keep running Deacon Hill out uh, again and again and again? Um, we had shown now he had better ball security today. He had better help from his offensive line in that, in that arena. I don't know uh, how often he got sacked. Uh, I'll have to look at the box score here, but it couldn't have been very often. Um, 
the Rutgers defense had one sack on the day. And so that was easier, I, I guess, for Deacon Hill than to not fumble the ball. Again, I'm not going to try to look for negatives. Deacon Hill was 20 of 31, 223 yards. Uh, that's a 7.2 yard average. He had one touchdown and that one interception. The touchdown going to Caleb Brown, uh, the man back in, and uh, in, in he's, he's come alive these last couple of games, right? He made that big catch. Uh, in the late in the Northwestern game to kind of set up the game-winning field goal for Iowa. Was his first catch as a Hawkeye. Had a couple of carries earlier in the season. Had really kind of disappeared. Was gone for one game. Uh, really kind of worried about his future. But, and you know, anything could happen. But he got in on the... Uh, uh, a couple of times with a couple of nice catches, including that touchdown catch for 10 yards in the fourth quarter, the final score for Iowa, but also had a nice end around play. Did Caleb Brown, uh, you know, you get the ball in your best player's hands. As I saw David Eichholt tweet, um, good things happen. And so Caleb Brown with a couple of carries for 20 yards, two carries, 20 yards, uh, 13 yard long. And uh, let's see, three catches for 27 yards and that touchdown LaShawn Williams had 13 carries for 63 yards, just under a five-yard average. Caleb Johnson was good to see him back, and he broke that one 27-yard run uh, in the fourth quarter. He had 10 carries for 54 yards. And Jazian Patterson had a touchdown, uh, 53 yards for him. So 63 from Williams, 54 from Johnson, 53 from Jazz, 20 from Caleb Brown. You really like to see that. that, that you know, It's 179 total rushing yards for this Hawkeye team. Uh, most of, much of that in the second half and really kind of helped then the the offense do what it needed to do. Uh, Deacon Hill didn't need to make big plays. He didn't need to throw the ball down the field that much. The one time he did truck it way down the field, it was a, a big time, you know, Nate Stanley level overthrow. Sorry, Nate Stanley taking stray shots here, but um, did have the one big play to, to Zach Ortweth, Ortworth. There you go. I didn't even know his name. Ortworth, uh, tight end. 55 yard, 54 yard play, uh, set up uh, the second field goal for Drew Stevens there in the third quarter, and that was a really nice uh, throw and catch for uh, for the Hawkeyes as well. But yeah, that's you know when you a guy you've never heard of really uh, catches a big play like that, that's that's always fun. Nico Ragini had four catches for 48 yards. He was steady. Eight catches for Adam Addison Estrenga. I did it again. Addison Estrenga, eight catches, 47 yards. Um, He's the kind of go-to tight end now that Iowa has missed out on so or you know lost so many of its tight ends, and apparently Zach Orworth is uh is in the uh the running as well. But LeSean Williams had a couple of catches out of the back backfield. Seth Anderson with that one twenty-one yard catch. Jazz Patterson a couple of catches, and again Deacon Hill twenty of thirty-one, two hundred and twenty-three yards. Uh, first quarterback this season to go over two hundred yards for the Iowa offense, and. Let me look at the uh, the team stats here. We got over 400 yards. Yeah, 402 yards. And I think I had seen the first time in 31 ga- 32 games. Yeah, Chad Lysico tweeted this or p- posted this on, on his Hawk Central text group. Iowa has gone 31 straight games without reaching 400 yards. That, end, that streak ends as Iowa ends the game with 402 total yards. Um you know, there's there's a lot of these kind of funny stats and weird things, but hey, you, you have to give credit where it's due. Kirk Ferentz talked at the end of the game uh, on TV. He was emotional when he did it, but he talked about, you know, being so proud of Deacon Hill and the rest of the team and the belief they've shown in him and how uh, you can't microwave getting better at this. It just takes the reps. It takes coming in every day and getting incrementally better. And again, we'll, we'll know more. Uh, after next week in the game at home against Illinois, whether or not this is a real 
corner turn or if they just wore down this Rutgers, you know, defense kind of broke their spirit and, uh, and, and ran away with the game in the fourth quarter, certainly broke Rutgers spirit to some degree uh, on their offense. And, and how could you not, but this is a, a good Rutgers defense. They, they, um, that is a good team. It's not like Northwestern a week ago where, you know, it feels like you had a bad offensive game against a bad defense. Now Northwestern looked okay today as well. Um, but this Iowa team just had a good day, and and it's nice to kind of hang your hat on that and feel good about that. The the offense, the defense had a fantastic day. Iowa's defense was all over Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers couldn't deal with the north end zone, the noise in the north end zone, a bunch of false starts for Rutgers. Uh, that that one snap that late in the game they really needed to play, and they snapped the ball basically to nobody for a twenty yard loss. Uh, things like that happen in the, in the north end zone. That's where the the interception to Quinn Schulte was uh, out of the north end zone for Rutgers, and that's just such a huge factor for Iowa. Such a huge home field advantage now for Iowa. When you sell that place out, you have a raucous crowd. The noise just sits in that north end zone, and it's hard to hear. And if you're shaky at all, it just it all falls apart. And we saw that happen for Rutgers today. They had just seven first downs. Uh, to Iowa's 21, 127 total yards for Rutgers, 93 on the ground, 34, no, 34 on the ground, 93 through the air. Just 34 on the ground for Rutgers, and they needed to uh, to establish the run. I talked to uh, Brian Fonseca in my uh, Opposition Research podcast earlier this week that that was such a key for this Rutgers team. I think they had scored 19 rushing touchdowns up until now through the season, and, and that's really how their offense had been doing well. That's how they had won six games coming into this one. And um, Iowa was able to shut that down quickly. I didn't give up anything through the air and, uh, and ultimately hung the shutout on them, which is fantastic. I mean, anytime you can shut out anybody, let alone a big 10 team this late in the season. And, and that's a bowl eligible big 10 team. I mean, this isn't your, you know, this isn't Rutgers of five years ago. This is a Greg Schiano team. That's really kind of turned a corner as a program and is going to be more difficult moving forward. And, and yet I was able to hold them to to zero points, 127 yards, seven first downs, uh, just one turnover, the Quinn Schulte uh, interception for Rutgers, but seven penalties for 40 yards. I was zero penalties, zero penalties for the Hawkeyes. That's a, obviously a winning number. And then seven for 40 for Rutgers. That's fantastic. Iowa held the ball for nearly twice as long as Rutgers, 38, more than 38 minutes of uh, of time of possession. So this is just a, an absolute beatdown from Iowa, laid on to Rutgers. Uh, it, it, you know, the credit goes to the defense first and foremost. It goes to Deacon Hill in that offense in the second half for sure. It goes to the crowd at Kinnick. Uh, special teams was good, not great. Drew Stevens, uh, one of two. Or I'm sorry, three of four, one of two. Three of four uh, with a long of 43, had the one miss early in the game. Torrey Taylor, an average of 47. Didn't need Torrey Taylor to do a whole lot. Didn't need to pin Rutgers that deep. Uh, It wasn't ultimately, outside of the first half, it wasn't ultimately a huge game of field position in this one. In the second half, Iowa was just able to be dominant. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about what that means and uh, what's coming up for the Hawkeyes. Iowa eight and two, five and two in the Big Ten, eight and two with the one of the statistically worst defense or offenses in modern college football history. Eight and two sits atop the Big Ten West standings by two full games now. 
uh, five and two in the conference. Northwestern, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Minnesota all at three and four. Purdue at two and five after beating Minnesota today. Illinois had a big game today, uh, gave up a touchdown and a two point conversion late, as a lot of you probably saw, trying to, you know, wait for the Big Ten network to flip over to the Iowa game. Um, but ended up winning in overtime against Indiana and had a, a big passing game from their new quarterback. It's going to be a tall task, certainly, a week from now inside Kinnick Stadium. But, you know, you feel confident that Iowa uh, is able, to, you know, going to be able to find a way, especially, again, if this offense shows any signs of life uh, with the defense playing the way it is right now, uh, with that home field advantage being what it is at Kinnick Stadium. You just, and, and you know, honestly, Kirk Ferentz's coaching uh, advantage which, you know, historically against Brett Bielema, probably not great. Uh, but I do like this Hawkeye team a week from now. We'll talk about that as we move forward as well. But obviously have the uh, tiebreaker over both Northwestern and Wisconsin. Uh, do not have it over Minnesota. Minnesota plays at Ohio State next week and then home against Wisconsin. You have to think that loss to Ohio State puts them out of it, even if Iowa uh, loses its next two games. Then you have Illinois there at Iowa and then home against Northwestern. So if you lose that uh, that Illinois game, you worry about losing that tiebreaker if you lose, obviously, to Nebraska. And then what what does Nebraska have left? They're at Wisconsin this week. That's a winnable game, but neither of those teams are very good. That's a that's a toss-up game right now. I'd probably give it to Wisconsin because they're at home. Um, but who knows? That's a coin flip. And then Iowa. So it's not sewn up just yet. You got to win one of these next two. Might as well do it at home against Illinois. Be able to celebrate the Big Ten West Championship on the Kinnick turf. Send your fans home to make reservations for Indianapolis in early December and the Big Ten Championship game. And then go into Nebraska, you know, with gravy, with you know, for the icing, for the gravy, for the, you know, I guess gravy is the better way to put it the day after Thanksgiving. Going to Nebraska to get your 10th win, not to try to hold on to your ninth win. Uh, to put a, an exclamation point on winning the Big Ten West, not to try to go and win the Big Ten West. You, you don't want that looming. And so obviously much better to get that win here uh, next week against Illinois. You know, you, you just, again, enjoy this one. You feel good about it, right? I mean, it's the first time in a while we've had a Hawkeye game, a football game, where you can really just fully feel good about it. It's not perfect, certainly, uh, you uh, will find out if it if it has actually gotten a lot better. I don't think it's gotten a lot better. We'll find out if momentum is swinging in the right direction. Maybe some things did or do click now for Deacon Hill in this offense. Maybe Caleb Brown has reached a point in his you know uh, chemistry with the team and the playbook and all of that where that's that's why he's becoming a bigger part of this offense. He's ready for it now, and in these last couple of games, he's going to really kind of be the guy that we hoped he would be. Nico Ragini has just been so steady. Addison Ostranga hasn't really, you know, I mean, he's not Luke Lachey and he's not Eric All, but he had a bunch of catches today. He was big for that offense. Uh, if that offensive line is able to kind of keep jellying, if those three running backs, is, if that's a three-headed monster back there and they're each running for, you know, 50 to 70 yards a game, that's really, really hard to, to contend with, especially if your team's like Illinois and, and Nebraska. We can talk about Michigan or Ohio State once we get there. That's obviously a much different conversation, uh, but these next two games are winnable, and I feel more confident right now than I have in a few weeks that Iowa is going to be able to find a way to do that. 
We've had some big basketball games as well. We've had a big basketball game, uh, but the Iowa men have also played. And so let's talk a little bit of basketball here. Not quite an instant reaction, but we do want to hit that before we get out of here on a Saturday night. All right, let's start with that big game on uh, on Thursday night. The Iowa women against Virginia Tech in Charlotte, number three versus number eight. 80 to 76, the win for the Hawkeyes. Caitlin Clark, 44 points, eight rebounds, six assists. Uh, and she was just phenomenal. She was everything you, you hoped she would be. She didn't have the greatest shooting night by any means. She 13 for 31, five of 16 from behind the arc, but she hit the big ones late when she needed to. Iowa still had a lead in the first half, despite going one of 14 or one of 15 from three point. Um, but they were able to, to just kind of. Uh, do what they do and and play match up well against Virginia Tech. I thought that Hannah Stolke looked really really good. Gabby Marshall didn't shoot well; she was 0 for six, but her defense is fantastic. The other things she brings to the table are great. You want to get her going shooting, obviously, and and hopefully, like she did last March, she'll catch fire at some point. But you don't need that from her just yet. But you do need her to be steady and play those 38 minutes alongside Caitlin Clark and be that lockdown defender on the perimeter. Hannah Davis or Hannah Stolke again had um, 12 points. She did foul out. She's got to, you know, be a little more cognizant of that as you move forward on the season. Again, you're going to nitpick this team a little bit because this is a team who is a, a top five team, potentially a number one team in the country. When the AP poll comes out on Monday, I think they probably should be. They they will certainly uh, leapfrog LSU, who lost to Colorado in their first game, and they should, I think, with that win over Virginia Tech on a neutral court, but much closer to Virginia than it is to Iowa. So it was a, it was a hostile environment. That should be enough to jump Iowa over UConn, who you know I'm sure had a, a good win uh, against somebody lower, but they haven't played anybody really yet either. Now, this is all assuming Iowa gets the win against Northern Iowa on Sunday afternoon. That's a sold-out McLeod Center, although I do think you'll see a lot of black and gold in there. First sellout ever for the uh, Northern Iowa women at home. It's the Caitlin Clark effect, of course. But if Iowa can take care of business against you and I, then you like their chances Monday of being the number one team in the country. And that's fantastic. That's spectacular. But that does lead us to nitpick a little bit and say things like Hannah Stalky needs to be a little careful about her fouls if she's going to be uh, the go-to person late in games, in the big games, in the Big Ten, and in the NCAA tournament where Iowa is going to need her. She's young, and it's early in the season. We will get there. Uh, Al Torfer, Sydney Al Torfer, had 14 rebounds. That was incredible. It was just, it was such a fun game. It was such a great atmosphere. The Caitlin Clark effect is is incredible. Um, the the celebrity that she has at this moment, it, it keeps going up. Uh, you keep saying, well, it can't get more than this. It can't get bigger than this. It can't get higher than this. And it just does. The number of people crowding around her, the amount of time she's able to give those people, which is really cool. But the number of 22 jerseys in that crowd in Charlotte, North Carolina on a Thursday night, you know, was was remarkable. It was so cool to see the the you know TV announcers getting selfies with her as she takes the headset off after doing an interview with them because they want to tell their kids Go home and show their kids, hey, look, I sat next to Caitlin Clark. I got to meet Caitlin Clark, the Caitlin Clark, the best player in college basketball, one of the most uh, impressive and uh, you know award-worthy athletes we've seen in any college sport for a really long time. And so that was so much fun on Thursday night. The flow of the women's game, certainly in the second half of that game, the fourth quarter especially, was just so much fun to watch. I mean, I love men's college basketball. College basketball is probably my favorite sport, but 
to the 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 men's game is so much ISO and above the rim and long threes. And, you know, that's funny to say that when you're talking about how Caitlin Clark, because so many of her shots are those long threes, those logo threes that she's famous for. But overall, the women's game just has a little more flow to it. It's it, you know, by necessity, uh, the way the offense works. Also, the quarters is so much better. Men's basketball needs to move to the quarter system. It's, it's drastically better. It's objectively a better style and form of basketball. It's ludicrous that the men are still playing halves. Uh, but the women got such a huge win. Hopefully, uh, take care of business Sunday afternoon against you and I. And then we'll be number one in the country, hopefully, on Monday. I think that'll be the first time in program history that that's happened. You're home against Kansas State uh, next Thursday and then home against Drake a week from Sunday. That's a Drake team that I don't know much about but did take Iowa to overtime a year ago. So you worry a little bit about that. Or at least you don't worry about it. You just kind of have your eyes on that one a little bit. The Iowa men played on Friday night. They had also played on Monday, but got to win Friday night, 98-67 over Alabama State. And, you know, not a lot to take from these early season games other than this team is fun. They can score. These young players seem as ready as we've seen a lot of people to come in and, and make an impact. Now, obviously, when you get against Power 5 competition and into Big Ten play, some of those minutes are going to drop. Some of those guys are going to kind of disappear. But as of right now, it's it's been really fun to see guys like Brock Hardy and, and Evan Bronze, you know, get some minutes. Josh Dix played a lot of minutes the other night. Brian, Brock Hardy, what, had 15 minutes. Owen Freeman had 12 minutes. Price Sanford had 11 minutes. Eight points for Freeman, six for Sanford. Uh, a few rebounds for each of those guys. It's just it's nice to see them get involved in this team and then it's good to see, you know, your your three-headed monster again there uh, between Tony Perkins, Peyton Sanford, and Fran, or Patrick McCaffrey. Uh, good to see them kind of do what, what you expect them to do, at least thus far. Peyton Sanford gets kind of hot and cold, but he scored, what, nine points in, in 65 seconds in that, in that game at one point. Ben Cricky had a nice game, 13.6 rebounds. Uh, Peyton had 17 and 12. And, um, yeah, I mean, again, not a whole lot to take away over these early season games. Um, but you like what you've seen out of this team so far, and now comes the big one. Uh, you're at number eight Creighton as part of the Gavit games on Tuesday night. It's a nine o'clock tip. It's going to be late, and you don't expect Iowa to go in there and, and win this game by any means, but can they go in there com and compete? This would be kind of a measuring stick game for this team uh, and where they are, not just in the season, but as a program. Can they go in there and compete? Can they hit a bunch of threes? Can they defend and rebound for 40 minutes? Can those young guys make an impression, uh, make a statement, make an impact on this game? And can you put a scare into Creighton? Can this be a, a you know, at the under four timeout, can this be a game where, where Hawkeye fans are on the edge of their seats, standing up, getting excited, you know, staying up past their bedtime, wanting, wanting to see? Or will this feel over at halftime? I think both those things are are potential. Um, Creighton has shot the ball really, really well. Uh, this is a, a Doug McDermott team that that's ready to go to a Final Four. And so if you can go into their building late on a Tuesday night and and put up a fight and put in put a scare in them, you know, it's not a moral victory, but it tells you where you are, uh, I think. It gives you a better idea of where you are um, early in the season and kind of what you can expect moving forward. After that, you've got Arkansas State. Uh, at home before you go to your Thanksgiving tournament. And you come out of that with Purdue, Iowa State, and Michigan. Uh, that's going to be a, uh, a bit of a murderer's row right there as well. Um, and so you'll just kind of find out where this team is. But I'm excited for Tuesday night. 
And uh, I appreciate you listening to this. Check us out at HawkeyeNation.com. We'll have the football game, uh, the women's basketball, the men's basketball, the wrestling, all of it, all of it covered from every angle at HawkeyeNation.com. And uh, I will be back next week with more podcasts. I appreciate you listening. Hey, and enjoy this one because go Hawks. (laughs) 